welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. I am your announcer, Reverend James, of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and special guest co-host, J.D. of HoodooHouseDetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan. This week, we welcome a special guest, Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, bringing us today's topic on astrological predictions for the summer of 2023, specifically the solstice. They will talk... They will take your, take your calls and offer to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection, and using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and J.D. Miss Kat? Hi. Uh, nice to be here Hi. and to have a special surprise guest waiting in the wings and to have J.D. as my co-host. What a wonderful change-up. Well, let's see. What's new here at Lucky Mojo? We've been working very hard on the railroad. We're getting ready for the National Garden Railway Association annual convention, which about every 10 years is held in California, and this is the year it is. And it's um, held in Northern California, and there are going to be tour buses coming by from Santa Clara, California, all the way up here to visit the railroad layouts of the garden railroaders of Sonoma and Marin counties. So we will be open to the public on July 1st, and anybody who hears this who is not a Garden Railway person, well, it's going to be a special open house, and you can come and visit. You don't have to be going to the Convention of Railroaders to come visit on July 1st. We'll all be here having a nice time. You can also come visit the Lucky Mojo Shop because they are conveniently located adjacent to one another on the same piece of ground. So that's what we've been doing, um, trimming little trees, nipping those little pomegranates uh, very gently with the fingernail and thumbnail to keep them nice and bushy and not too rangy, um, gluing little people in place, spraying gloss Krylon on <laughs> cars <laughs> and trucks. <laughs> All the little things that a model railroader does to keep things looking pretty. And that does not mean I haven't been in the shop. I have been in the shop, but mostly I've been on the railroad. Things in the shop are going very well. We have um, a lot of um, uh, orders piled up. This happens sometimes. Sometimes we have almost no orders piled up. We're all caught up. Right now we're a little bit behind. Please bear with us. As you know, we are. everything is handmade. And we are a little behind on some of the products. So give us a break. Don't call up screaming. But if you do need something, let us know that you've ordered it and you do have um, a special festival, a special lunation, a special sun sign, um, a wedding, something that you need to have that product by that date. And we'll call you a squeaky wheel. And as you all know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And we will mark your order squeak, and you will go to the head of the line. But only people who listen on the radio show know that. And if you really want your stuff to be squeaked, order 
small orders because those get automatically squeaked anyway. And don't order that three-page order that you've been waiting a year to order. Order what you need right now. We'll send it to you right now. And a week later, order again. And a week later, order again. It'll be easier on us. It'll be easier on your mind because you'll get start getting products. But um, if you order that three-page order, you may have to wait three or four weeks to get that order. So not trying to tell people to order less, just order more frequently. That's the news from Lucky Mojo. Um, oh, and another thing about what's going on at Lucky Mojo. I just want to give a big shout-out to Shiloh. I've mentioned her before. She's our newest employee, and she is doing so well, and I'm so happy with her work. I just wanted everyone to know that Shiloh is handling almost all of the candle orders now. So these would be the orders for the church and the orders of candle, glass candles and all candles that we send to you will be going through Shiloh's hands. And uh, she's doing an excellent job of preparing candles. Colleen is still reading the candles, of course, that we uh, send you the candle reports on. And Leslie is doing all of the invoicing of the candle, so that's pretty good, too. But Shiloh is really shining. That's the news from here. Um, now I get to say to my dear co-host, J.D., how are things in Detroit? Hey, Miss Kat. Thank you. Things are great here. Um, I've been also very busy today. Last week was my uh, last academic day at my job, so this was the first weekend where I was really able to get out into the yard and really um, tackle that. So I spent all day today turning soil, planting herbs, my tomato plants, so it's been a very busy, productive day. Um, last week we had the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, so I see a lot of people talking about that in the chat. And uh, that was a great event uh, that I was a part of. Um, I see a couple of people in the chat were talking about how they weren't able to attend it this year. But in October, those will be available on the Lucky Mojo website. So you'll actually be able to purchase those lessons and still participate. Um, All right. That's a that's a going to be a nice thing. We're going to thank Papa G for that when the time comes. Uh, those um, workshops will be available at $25 each. Now, you won't get a goodie box unless you order the entire festival package, and you can still do that. You can order the entire festival package and get a goodie box. We still have some uh, sitting there waiting for buyers, so go ahead and order one. Or if you order just the the workshop, the questions and answer session, and a PDF of notes. The goodie box were great this year, too. All the items they that were. they came with. They were. And it was a great festival. We had so many interesting uh, topics. I know we've tried to talk your ear off trying to get you all to go. If you couldn't go, um, well, that's you, you missed it. But you can recapture it by um, taking the whole festival package and the funny thing is we do sell you'd think we wouldn't but we sell festival packages from 2022 and 2021 people buy them going back because they want to have the experience of the whole thing so they are for sale at hoodooworkshops.com all right well today we have a special guest someone who leads a life 
sort of orbits our lives, sort of, and every once in a while transits and comes into conjunction with us. <laughs> and, and that is that is our dear our dear sometime co-host Conjure Man. Uh, welcome to the show, Conjure Man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I like the uh, sometimes co-host there. <laughs> right, right. That for those who put on other hats, right. for those for those who are listening to the show for the first time and yeah. just happens to be your first show, uh, Contraband has been my co-host since 2010. Yeah, right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> A little bit Very of a joke there. Yeah, I'm and I'm so happy too. I don't think this show would have been what it is and would continue the way it has without you. Conjurement. But here you are as a guest. So first of all, like all guests, you get to tell us what's new in your life. Things are, are going quite well. I'm recovering from the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It was a fantastic uh, weekend. We got some really cool goodies, some amazing workshops. Uh, I was part of the love panel along with uh, JD, if I'm not mistaken. We covered a variety of different topics. Uh, we also got a chance to see some really cool books, uh, including your own Astrologer for Rootworkers, which we talked a little bit about last week or the week before, actually. And we'll be talking a little bit about Astrology Day. So it was, it's been a fantastic past couple of weeks. Lots of clients that are curious about what the year ahead holds for them. So they're doing a lot of interesting sort of clients that did year readings earlier in the year, and now they've come back for like a I want to touch base again. I want to follow up. I want to make sure, oh, that thing you predicted? Yes, it happened. What do we do now? So it's been a lot of sort of follow-up and mid-year check-ins, which I think is quite fitting given the topic that we've chosen for today. That's that's absolutely true. And I, I've been experiencing the same thing. People who got their birthday reading or their New Year's reading, and now they're coming back right. and saying, oh, my God, you mm-hmm. told me that I would get a job, and I did, but I hate the job. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> or you told me I would lose my job, and I did, and now what do I do? So, yeah, there's been a lot of, of check-in astrology. Um Yeah, and it's interesting. You, the fact that we did the Astrology for Root Worker book show was kind of um, because of the festival, but we have done um, quarterly or half-year prediction shows for years Mm -hmm. now, and we've done them with and without other astrologers. We've done them with uh, William Stickevers. We've done them with Deacon Millett, and here we are doing an astrological prediction show again. So this show is focused on the time period from the summer solstice pretty much until the fall equinox. Some of the things leak over a little bit. So I first want to talk about what this is, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Mm -hmm. Um, There are several kinds of ways of predicting uh, events using astrology. One way is to look at the planets themselves and how they are dancing with one another. In this way, you can see yourself as sort of sitting on the sidelines and watching this big, elaborate Morris dance or square dance or whatever. All these planets, they hit each other with sticks, they wave handkerchiefs, they spin around each other, they they do see do and you watch them. And part of it, you might go, oh, that's really ugly. And another part, you might go, oh, how pretty. That's watching the transits. And it's one of the things that astrologers love to predict because all we're doing then is being a very informed, predictive bystander. 
The other part of astrological prediction is where suddenly a child runs onto the dance floor and they're hitting each other with sticks, they're waving handkerchiefs, they're dosy doing. What happens to the child? Will they be smashed beneath the weight of a falling, obese woman who has been hit by an aggressive man? Etc. Etc. Or will they be snatched up into the arms of a lovely gay guy who goes, "Come dance with me," and everything is cool, right? You don't know until you make those predictions. So there are two kinds of predictions: there are predictions about what the planets will do and how it will affect the little children, which are us, which are we're so small compared to planets, and we're going to run out there amongst this dance, and we're going to either be elevated or crushed, or cast to one side, or given a little kiss as they go by, and they might feed us, or they might shit on us. It's the dance quarter. All right, I'm turning it over to you, Conjurman. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, astrological prediction uh, has a variety of different approaches, and I think you're going to see uh, the differences here between all of us. We are sort of all different types of practitioners when it comes to uh, astrology, uh, I am a, a an ancient and a medieval astrologer. I work predominantly in sort of the Persian tradition, which is slightly different from this Renaissance tradition or the medieval tradition in, in Europe. Uh, and it's certainly different from modern astrology. So, for example, I, I don't use the outer planets that often. I note them, but they're not that big of, of a factor for me. They're sort of much bigger you know, ideas around the episteme of the era rather than and what's going on immediately. Um, and you're going to see, for example, that I use specific methodology. So when I do medieval mundane astrology, which is the prediction for the year, I do it in a couple of ways. First, I look at the ingresses. This is very traditional. You set the horoscope for when the sun enters into the cardinal points. Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And this gives you your seasonal interpretation. And then you look at the symbolism that emerges from that horoscope by looking predominantly at the planetary ruler. So I put the horoscope, that is, looking at the sun, entering into the very first degrees of uh, cancer, which would indicate what the season is going to look like. And this is going to happen uh, June 21st, so in a couple of days. We're going to see, and I've set it for my location, but you can set it for whatever location you'd like. And then we examine what the big planetary forces are. Now, this entire year is actually governed by Saturn, based off of the medieval methods of determining what planet has rulership over the year. Saturn is the overarching influence. And so what you do is you would look at Saturn at the Aries ingress. Then you would look at Saturn at the Cancer ingress. Then you would look at Saturn in the Libra and Saturn in Cancer. And what that does is it tells you the differences and changes and aspects that Saturn makes throughout the year will give you a timeline. So when we first started, uh, Saturn had just sort of entered into Pisces. But now that we're in Cancer or going to be in Cancer, what is Saturn doing? Saturn has gone retrograde in Pisces. That's a big deal. That tells us some predictions right off of the bat. Uh, whenever Saturn is in Pisces and whenever it is retrograde, it almost always indicates scarcities of water, usually some type of issues around water, and that's because Pisces represents water and Saturn represents scarcities, poverty, restrictions, all of those sort of extremities. So heavy rains, droughts, hurricanes, even issues around drinking water are all predicted 
by that Saturn in Pisces retrograde. Then you look at the other big things that are going to be happening. And for me, that what really stands out is that Venus. Venus is in Leo and is going to be in a matter of a few weeks going retrograde. So what does that mean, Venus and Leo? Is it a good sign? Venus is a sort of moderate sign and Leo is really hot and really dry according to the medieval and ancient classifications. So Venus isn't entirely comfortable in Leo. It's not bad in comparison to say when it's in, in um, like Scorpio or something. But Venus isn't entirely comfortable in Leo. And so what does that tell us? That means it's going to be retrograde, so there's an unreliability to this Venus. So what does that mean? That might indicate a season of breakups, revelations around relationships, particularly of athletes and celebrities and rulers, because Leo governs all those people. We may even see some funky things in regards to like banking and banking regulation during that Venus retrograde, because Venus represents certain types of wealth. And Leo represents coin, so something around banking and banking regulation, and probably something around diplomacy, some weird revelation around the relationship of rulers and diplomacy hiccups. Why? Because at this ingress, when the sun ingresses into Cancer, the moon will be applying and coming conjunct Venus, and the moon represents ambassadors and emissaries and people you send on Diplomacy. So that just alone, and there's a lot more we can do here, but that alone gives us just these two planets, give us a pretty good sketch of what this season looks like. You've got uh, natural issues around water, some type of calamities around water, water issues, heavy rains, droughts, drinking waters. Then you have social issues with that Venus retrograde, breakups, uh, issues around revelation, uh, relationships with athletes, celebrities, rulers, some sort of banking funkiness, and hiccups and diplomacy. So that's just where I'm going to start. And then we're going to dive in with a lot more interesting things that we can pull out for this season. Well, thank you. That's, a, of course, working by the ingress is so traditional. And yeah. um, this is something that um, cannot be uh, underestimated. Now, people always say, well, what about my sign? What's going to happen to my sign? Mm. Working by the ingress, which is the the day that um, the sun enters this new sign that marks the quarter or one of the cardinal signs, working by the ingress is very much world working because this happens mm -hmm. for the entire world. You can't say that, you know, Aunt Agnes in Poughkeepsie, New York, is going to be particularly affected by this. It might not really strike on any of her planets directly, but eventually she'll be caught up in the world events. And right. so what you're talking about is a, a, a large movement. And this is what I was talking about before. When we're watching the square dancers or the mm. Morris dancers go, we are looking at that and the ingress is when the dance begins for the portal. Right. And right. The, the tune they are playing is dominated by Saturn this year. So mm -hmm. um, we could say that the tune for this quarter is going to be kind of in a minor modal key. <laughs> Saturn <laughs> is far distant and dark and down, and it's going to have a kind of a melancholy tint to it. And then you can look at astrology from a different point of view. So I'm going to take that idea of Saturn and run with mm -hmm. it in a slightly different direction. 
Saturn is um, grade June 17th, retrograde to November 4th. The retrogradation takes place only in Pisces. Saturn entered Pisces. It got from zero to one to two, all the way up to seven degrees. And now it is falling back, and it's going to go 765 all the way back to zero. It's not going to go back to another sign. It's just going to stay in Pisces. This will have a particularly doleful effect on people who are Pisces by their sign. And if you are a Pisces born in the first seven degrees of Pisces, you can look up your chart and you'll find out this is a real bad one for you. Saturn retrograde in Pisces brings disillusionment because Pisces is illusionment, right? And Saturn retrograde in Pisces also can bring disillusionment with um, anything that's idealistic. Pisces is idealistic. It can bring political unrest. It can bring um, a sudden collapse of idealism. But it will particularly affect people who are Pisces people. But not to worry too much because Saturn is retrograde almost half the time because it's such an outer planet and it just sort of stands still and we're just wandering back and forth and it looks like it's moving backwards, but it's really we're spinning around it. So, but this will be um, particularly hard on Piscean folks through November 4th, which is actually after our next solstice point. And um, Saturn had entered Pisces in March uh, about three months ago, and then it moved on. Now it's going backwards, and it's going to really uh, turn around in November, and it'll come back and do the whole thing over again. So that's mean that you people with Pisces suns, or God help you, Saturn in Pisces in the first seven degrees are experiencing um, some grim times. Now, it's also going to, in addition to impacting people with the sun between zero and seven degrees Pisces, it's a Saturn return for folks who had their Saturn in early degree Pisces. So now I'm talking about the little children getting caught up in the dance here. So if you were born, unlikely, that, but there are people still alive, born 1935 to 1938 when Saturn was in Pisces, or if you were born 1964 to 1967, when Saturn was in Pisces, or if you were born in 1993 to 1996, when Saturn was in Pisces, this is going to be a kind of, you get ground up a little bit here, particularly if you're born in the first part of those, because Saturn, of course, moves on to later Pisces as it leaves Pisces. So I would say 35 and 36, 64 and 65, maybe 66, uh, 93 and 94. That's the real guys who are going to be impacted. And what's going to happen, Saturn doesn't just trample over you. It also is going to get hung up in a real uh, confusing, ugly dance with the planet Mars. So I'm going to go into that. Is that okay with you, Contraband, if I go into that at this point? Or yeah, would you like yeah, to? Yeah. Okay. So the planet Mars is a negative planet. It's called the Lesser Malefic, and Saturn is called the Greater Malefic. So you got two, two ugly, bad planets. Saturn is cold and dark and mean and just um, rigid in its thinking. Mars, on the contrary, is angry. It acts more quickly. It moves more quickly. But it does tend to bring danger and damage 
So Mars is now transiting Virgo, um, or about to, I should say. It's, going, it's not there yet. But Mars will enter Virgo on July 11th and exit Virgo on August 27th. And this is within our quarter year. And it will then um, uh, uh, transit Libra. It'll enter Libra on August 28th and leave Libra October 29th, which is after our thing. But let's just talk about um, what Mars rules um, metaphorically. Mars rules iron. And one way to think of Mars is as a double-edged sword. It can energize you, crosses your sun, you get that car ride, you get on that railroad, it's all the big iron tracks, and it's really great. Um, And so all of you Leos, Virgos, and Libras are going to be energized as Mars crosses your sun. But if Mars is poorly aspected in the sky, or if it makes a negative aspect to planets on your birth chart, it can bring anger, wounds, damage, even car wrecks that train may derail. And this is a problem because, for instance, in July, we have Saturn retrograde in Pisces. Remember, it's jumping around on those Pisces Mm. people. And then we have Mars in Virgo. And Mars and Saturn, the two bad boys, are opposite each other, and they're playing tug of war. Uh, uh, Not so good. So now the Virgos have gotten dragged into the mess, right? And so from around July 11th and culminating July 22nd, with the Saturn retrograde opposing Mars, there will be a lot of stress for Pisceans and Virgoans. And that is my prediction. Mm, that's great. Yeah, one of the important things is so when you do mundane astrology or any of these sort of big predictions, there's a couple different approaches. Once you set out the idea that this is what's happening in the world, right? You make the big predictions, the political predictions, the social predictions, the historic predictions. You then have to ask, what, how does that relate to the individual? Two ways. One is atmospheric. If, for example, I say that there's a period in time in which Venus is not going to be in a good position and that it will impact marriages, relationships, et cetera, increase in divorces, whatnot. That's a big prediction. It's a social prediction. You might go, all right, I must be mindful of my own relationship. Maybe this isn't the time for me to get married. This isn't the time for me to start a new relationship. From that period in which Venus goes retrograde in July for the next month and a half or so, it's going to remain retrograde. So that's not exactly a good time period until well into August. This is not, uh, I think, September. It's not, uh, it's not a good time for a relationship. So that's one way. You go, environmentally, these things will affect me, right? So if a, if a client comes to you, if a, if a mundane astrologer has made a prediction that, for example, uh, like I had, that there's going to be some funky things in regards to banking and banking regulation during Venus's retrograde uh, because it's in Leo, then you go to an astrologer, and the astrologer go, and you ask the astrologer, hmm, should I start a business during this time? Should I take out a loan at this time? The astrologer, aware of what's going on in the world, goes, hmm, this doesn't look so right. Do you relate the big things to you as the individual? You also can take the second approach, so there's the environmental approach, sort of paying attention to weather. And the other approach is what Ms. Kat has detailed here, and that is to look at where these placements are going to affect your birth chart. So if you know where your sun is, you know where your moon is, you know where your Mars is, ask yourself, are these things going to affect you? So for example, Venus is going to be retrograde in Leo. Are you a Leo? Will it have an effect on you there? Yes. 
if you're a Leo rising or you have your sun in Leo or you have your moon in Leo, it's going to have an impact on you. If you have your Venus in Leo, it's doubly going to have an impact on you because you're going through your Venus return and then it's going to go retrograde and do all sorts of funky things. So you always ask what's going on weather-wise, and then you ask what's going on in the individual, because it's great to make predictions, oh great, the banking system's gonna be funky, but what does that mean for you? Good old, you know, Joe the plumber or whatever you are, what does that mean for you as the individual? And this is where getting your own natal chart can matter, but knowing your own placement as well. I do wanna mention here, uh, that uh, I definitely concur with Miss Katz's predictions around Mars. For me, the transit of Mars from Leo through Virgo, from Leo to Virgo, and then through Libra, really speak to issues around women, uh, mm-hmm. particularly women's rights. Virgo and Libra mm-hmm. are both represent women, right? And Virgo mm-hmm. in particular, going from Virgo where Mars has got a sort of weird field, but then going into Libra where Mars is in its detriment, where Mars is not doing well, it's now going to be a very unhappy, wicked Mars, Mars is male, in a very female reproductive sign. So what does that mean to us? The ruler of of Libra has gone retrograde earlier in the year, and now Mars is going to show up in the sign of reproduction. Does that mean that we're going to see some um, things regarding reproductive rights? some issues against some reversals, some failures, some miscarriages of justice, because Libra is the just sign and Mars is unjust. Why does this matter? Because October 14th, which is a little bit past the season, Venus will actually rule the eclipse. The eclipse will happen in Libra. So right after Mars causes all that chaos in Libra, here you have an eclipse. So for me, what does that mean? That means we're going to see miscarriages of justice around women's reproductive rights. Wow. Okay, that's a good one, and and I I I followed your logic on that. What we do when we do this kind of astrology predictions and also chart interpretations is we have a huge handful, mindful, brainful of keywords <laughs> that are nouns, that are adjectives, that are adverbs, yeah. and that are verbs. And every planet and every sign has keywords. So, for instance, with Saturn, one of the keywords is slowly. Mm -hmm. But also one of the keywords is grim. (laughs) (laughs) And um, or one of the keywords might be dark or darkly, or it might be um, tedious. So when you look at Saturn, you can say death, old age, all of these keywords are like bubbling up in your head. And then you look at Mars and you go anger and um, activity and quickly. And and so you can then say, gee, could this mean sudden death for a lot of old people? You know, particularly people who were Virgos or Pisces because of this tug of war going on. So that's how we make predictions. I want to recommend a book to anybody who's interested in working this out for themselves. The book is by a guy named Paul Grell, and the name of the book, stupidly enough, is Keywords. Not even (laughs) astrological keywords, just freaking keywords. Keywords by Paul Grell. You can find it. It's been in print since forever, at least since the 70s, I think it came out. It's published by the American Federation of Astrologers. Key 
Keywords by Paul Grell will help you learn how to think this stuff through yourself. Okay? Mm. So um, the other thing that I'd like you to think about as a as a way to learn this stuff is to learn how to read an ephemeris. I know that now we're talking mm-hmm. math and numbers, but um, find ephemerises online. An ephemeris is a table, like a spreadsheet, that shows across the top the planets, and then going down the left column are the dates. And then it gives you the degree of the sign that every planet is in, and you can literally use a ruler and draw across for any day and figure out where they are, at least at Greenwich Mean Time. It only doesn't, if the moon is, moves so fast, you have to actually do some calculations. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that you find an ephemeris online. I happen to like the one at cafeastrology.com. It's easy to read. It looks just like the old simplified scientific astrology, uh, excuse me, simplified scientific ephemeris that the um, Rosicrucians used to put out, the the Max Heindel Rosicrucians. There's so many different Rosicrucians group, but you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. The one with the, with the cross and the star on it. Um, so it looks like that, but it's online, and you don't have to buy all these books and have them all um, chunking up your uh, bookcases. Mm-hmm. So um, now I see that we have a um, – <laughs> well, Cafe Astrology is not run by Max Heindel Rosicrucians. It just looks like one of those ephemerises. Um, the, there was a question here. Um, from JD. Some astrologers say to read the rising sign and sun sign. Is this recommended or should one focus on the sun? Well, I'm going to answer that mm. first, but then I'm going to turn it over to uh, Conjurman. The sun sign is the most important. The sun rules your heart. Um, you know, you're, it, it's sort of like, you know, your, your beating heart is what keeps you alive. It is the basis of what's called sun sign astrology. The rising sign is more like your appearance. We could call it your skin or your, your just the way you look. The moon rules your emotions. And so we could say it's more like your um, your feelings. Your mental state would be ruled by your moon. And so most astrologers of modern astrology, now this would not necessarily mm-hmm. include Conjurman, but most modern astrologers use what I call the three-point system, sun, moon, mm-hmm. rising sign. If you have those three things, you've kind of zeroed in on people. And there's a little cheat built in, J.D. Mercury and Venus, which are interior to us toward the sun, can never go in the sky far away from the sun. Therefore, as an astrologer, you can make some intelligent guesses as yeah. to where Mercury and Venus might be on their chart if you know what their sun sign is. And yeah. it might be in a different sign. It's possible, but it's less likely. So, for instance, I'm a Taurus, but my Venus my Mercury is in Taurus, but my Venus lagged and is in Aries. And so that's about as much you're going to get. You can never, just to explain this in um, practical terms, you can never go out at midnight and find Venus in the sky or Mercury. They have to be with the sun. Midnight, the sun is at the bottom at the nadir. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. You've never seen Venus at midnight. And you never will. So the three-point system actually allows us almost, not quite, a five-point system. 
Okay, I'm going to turn this over to you, Countryman. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the things, first, I want to say that one of the reasons why I'm laying out my logic in the way that I am is so that you can follow along. But even if you're not an astrologer, you can see, as Ms. Cap points out, the building blocks, the vocab we're using, the, the verb, the noun, right? How we're building it. So I'm, I'm going to be very clear that this is not just a, uh, an episode of prediction. Those are great, but I want to walk people step by step, give them a tutorial on how Conjurman and how Ms. Cat come to these conclusions. So in the tradition of astrology that I practice, we do it a little bit to say uh, it's better or worse or modern astrology. I think it's all great, um, but in our approach, the ascendant is supreme. It's personal to every individual. The ascendant roughly changes every hour or so. Some are a little bit shorter, some a little bit longer because of different ascensional times. So it is the most personalized. The ascendant governs your life. It tells you much of your fate. Then if you break it down even further into the subdivisions, like the term that it falls into, or as you heard Miss Cat talking about the first 10 degrees, that's known as a decan. There are three decans, three, 10 degrees. Uh, then there are terms which are uneven. Then there's the Dodecotomoria, which are 12 parts. Then there's nine parts. There's all these smaller divisions of the of a sign, which means that that's how we explain twins. Even twins can be explained by astrology because the sign has further smaller divisions. Even a few minutes away from each other would mean that even though both of them have Leo ascendant, one could be a Taurus term and one could be or one could be a Taurus twelfth part and one could be a different twelfth part. They could be Aries. So this is how we get that personalized component. Then we determine if the person is a night or a day birth. This is known as sect. If you're a night birth, the moon is going to have more influence over you. If you were a day birth, the sun is going to have more influence. You still read all three of them. Just like modern astrology, you read the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. You just give different weight depending on their birth. So you will always give the ascendant a little bit more weight. Then depending on day or night, you will give the sun or the moon a little weight. And what this system does is it allows you to personalize a little bit more. It allows you to give more particular. So for example, a person who is born by night and has a Taurus rising is going to be slightly different than a person who is born by day and who will have a Taurus rising. And a person who is born by night will have a different relationship to the sun than a person who is born by day. So this gives a little element of, persona, of, of, sort of personalization. It allows you, and then from there, you build in what are known as timing techniques. These are the time lords. Each planet rules a period of your life. Depending on day or night, it will determine which planet starts the rulership, and for periods of time, one planet will be influential, and then it will move to another planet, until all of the seven classical planets have had some type of influence in your life. And that's how we make year-to-year, day-by-day predictions. In the same way that, for example, I said, this year was ruled by Saturn in mundane astrology, you do the exact same thing with natal astrology. You determine which planet rules that year, that month, that day, and then it gives you some form of prediction. So slightly different than modern astrology, it has these little... Uh, subtle nuances that come from an older system of mathematic astrology. That's that's absolutely true. Um, Dr. Sweet asked something, and I'm going to answer him a little bit. I did. He said, well, Saturn and Pisces, this is going to be going on for a while. Oh, yes. Yes. Because Saturn always takes quite a while to go through a sign. 
But it's weirder this year. There's some really crap with Saturn this year, just saying, and it doesn't just end at the equinox. Uh, remember I mentioned that Mars would be opposing Saturn um, during um, this period in July, and it would be very stressful. Well, meanwhile, Mars is just going to go rushing on. Saturn is retrograde. Saturn is direct. Saturn is da 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 By the time we get to November, Mars will have rushed on to Sagittarius, which is square Pisces, and Saturn is still in Pisces. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it happens at the very end of October. You could actually look up the exact date. Um, Yeah, the exact date is the 25th of uh, November. 25th Mm. of November is when um, Mars ingresses into Sag, zero degrees, and Saturn is still dilly-dallying around at zero degrees Pisces. Okay, mm-hmm. And those two signs are square each other. So we go from an opposition of Mars and Saturn to a square of Mars and Saturn during this time period in which Saturn is making a lot of turmoil. Um, Saturn in Pisces has a tradition of, you know, as you go back and you look, what happened in the years that Saturn was in Pisces? It tends not to be very good. It's just not one of those happiness mm. things. Um, there's, I mean, if you look at the years, uh, you know, 1935 to 38, I mean, the Nazis are coming to power. And um, 64 through 67, we have, you know, the the uh, civil rights movement, assassinations, the Vietnam War. It's pretty grim. And, mm. um, and then we have 93 to 96. That was pretty mild by comparison to the others in my opinion. But um, Saturn in Pisces has a bad rep with astrologers who are looking for world um, views because Mm -hmm. what happens is Pisces is the dreamer, the inspirer. It is um, art and music and and all of those ideals of, of peace and justice. And then Saturn comes along and knocks everything off the table and says, no, no, we're actually going to get ready for a war. And by the way, I'm about to enter Aries. And so all that bad feeling now will lead to a war. Good luck. Mm. And that is Saturn in Pisces, as I understand it. So it's not going to be a fun year politically. Would, would you mm. agree with me, Conjurman? Yeah, and I should also point out, uh, Reverend Dr. Sweet's question is a really good one. And it, again, it highlights the point why uh, ancient and medieval astrologers looked for one planet to rule the year because like you mentioned Saturn is going to be in Pisces for a long time so does that mean for the next several years we're just going to be going Saturn and Pisces Saturn and Pisces Saturn and Pisces no this year Saturn is the ruler next year it might be Jupiter it might be Mars or it might be a completely different planet which means the influence of Saturn and Pisces will be less during those years that doesn't mean it goes away that's right it's just not as prominent so this year because Saturn is the ruler of the year we're looking at that Saturn and Pisces next year is Jupiter actually I should give you a little preview and so that means (laughs) all our Saturn and Pisces interpretations Interpretations go to the background, and we focus in on Jupiter. Now, we That's can do right. the reverse now. We can go, okay, Saturn in Pisces is at the foreground. These are the things that matter. But what's happening in the background? Well, Jupiter is doing its own thing. Jupiter is moving through Taurus, and that's some interesting things. Now, Jupiter isn't in the best position in Taurus. It's not has no real dignity there, but 
it's still uh, a benefic planet. It's a really good planet. And so what does that mean? It means that with all the horror that's going on in the world, with all the bad things that are going on in the world, where can we find hope? Where can we find joy? Where can we find um, help? Where can we find um, blessings? We can find them in Torian things. We can find them in the earth. We can find them in community. We can find them in beauty making. We, all those things are going to be good for us. So one way we can counteract the influence of the greater malefic is through the influence of the greater benefic. And we can do that by engaging in Torian activity. So community building, specifically small community building, agrarian work, that's very Torian, beauty making, leisure, taking time to just listen to music. These are things that will help to ameliorate many of the conditions that we will experience with the scarcities and calamities of uh, Saturn and Pisces. That's a that's a really good way of looking at it, foreground and background. Background, yeah. Um, yeah. For instance, right now, here we are in June, and Saturn, as we've been saying all along, is in Pisces. It's a you know, right now it's uh, about seven degrees Pisces. Jupiter moves a little faster than Saturn, but right yeah. now it's at six, seven, going on eight degrees Taurus. And Taurus mm-hmm. and Pisces are 60 degrees apart or sextile, which yeah. is a helpful, uh, up- uplifting aspect. So Jupiter exactly. in Taurus is actually ameliorating some of this Saturn energy, exactly. which is actually going to get worse later. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Jupiter will yes. Jupiter will busy itself with something else, unfortunately, and leaving Saturn to war it out with Mars. But you see, it's not just one thing, and people often build up a fear. Oh, it's that thing I fear so much, but mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. It's a big dance, and there are little moments and big moments in that dance. And yes. so, um, right now, if you look at, for instance, um, Venus, which uh, you mentioned um, earlier, Venus has some struggle later on, but not now. Venus is doing okay right now, and yeah. um, except that it's in Leo. So, in other words, it's moving forward. It's not being afflicted by anything particularly horrible um, right now. Um, but Venus and Mars, Mars is in Leo, and they are going to come up upon one another um, at some point, um, I'm looking at it. I'm just going right down the ephemeris. It looks like June. I'm going into July, unless Venus goes retrograde before they actually conjunct. Um, nope, they're going to make it. Uh, 27, 28, 29. That, 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 that. Nope, they don't make it. Mm-hmm. Ah, Venus and Mars. They, they get so close, and then Mars moves on into yep. Virgo leaving Venus behind. (laughs) Too bad. But you see, you look at these things, like I said, like dances. If Venus and Mars were to conjunct, it would would have a certain meaning, um, kind of detrimental to Venus because Mars and Leo and all that, fiery, fiery stuff. But you look at them and you watch them come up, dance. Oops, they missed and it's not going to happen for months again. They will conjunct again and maybe in a better sign. So reading an ephemeris is something that I encourage people to do. Um, you can buy apps that will actually run um, in, re- you know, not in sped up time, in fast motion. They will run years ahead and years backwards. Uh, there, there are many apps that do this, 
you can also find uh, apps like Celeste, which I have mentioned many times, which will give you an instant reading on what's happening right now today. But learning how to read an ephemeris as a spreadsheet, if you can read spreadsheets, you know, and see how things go, some people can, some cannot. If you cannot read a spreadsheet, you're not going to read an ephemeris. But if you can, it's kind of cool because you'll start to see where these things are happening. You'll say, oh, I hope, I hope, oh, no, it didn't work out. Mm. And um, it's really kind of interesting. Another thing I wanted to point out, because uh, Contraband's been using terms like dignity and detriment and so forth. Mm-hmm. Probably some people don't know what we're talking about. We're not using these words um, loosely or metaphorically. They are specific astrological terms. So most of you know that a sign is ruled by a planet. When the planet is in the sign it rules, it is said to be in its domicile or in essential dignity. And that's what's meant by dignity. And why don't you go and explain the other ones, Conjurman? I don't want to hog the whole stage here. Sure, happy to. Yeah, this is a this is a system of relationships in which the planets mm-hmm. have relationships to the sign. When they're in the sign that they rule, so for when Venus is in Taurus or in Libra, it's in domicile. Then they have exaltations, which are like their kingdoms. This is where the sign is at its most extreme manifestation in a positive way. That would be Venus in Pisces. Venus is in Pisces. Venus is exalted. This is a Venus that luxuriates, that likes poetry, that sings, that dances, that dreams. When they're in signs that are oppositional to their nature, they're known as detriments. These are signs that will, this is when the planet will act differently than what is expected. So taking Venus again, this would be Venus in Scorpio. Venus is not doing so good in Scorpio, right? And then there are things like the fall, which is the exact opposite of the uh, uh, exaltation. So if exaltation is the best expression, then the fall is the most difficult expression. That would be things like the moon and Scorpio. So when the, when a planet is in its fall, and this is known as a dignity scheme, and it's used to determine the different expressions of the planets as they move through the signs so that don't always mean the exact same thing for every single person. A person who has in Scorpio is going to be different from a person who has a Venus in in uh, in uh, Pisces. It's a very different expression of Venus. Now, those that it should be important to note that this is about quality. It's not necessarily about morality. So doesn't mean that if a planet is is good or bad, or that if your Venus has fallen, it means you're doomed and you'll never find love. It just means that it has a different or more difficult form of expression. That's how we understand the dignity scheme. Right. And um, so when we say, if, if, if Contraband and I talk too fast, we just, oh, well, blah, 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 and dignified and blah, blah, you know, when we say these things, mm-hmm. just remember those words, domicile dignity, and um, detriment, <laughs> exaltation, um, and fall. And yeah. um, a detriment is sometimes called exile because it's the opposite yeah. of your home, it, your, your yep. domicile. And yep. um, exaltation and fall are a bit subjective compared to the rulerships, which are very well fixed in place. But they have a history going back so many hundreds of years that people appreciate them. For instance, uh, Venus being exalted in Pisces, one of the things that it removes Venus's 
selfish interest in itself because Pisces is very charitable and very giving and is is a, a, a loving planet. And so Venus becomes more charitable than just excited about its own sexuality and how many model trains it has or whatever the Torian thing it wants to do. <laughs> and so it becomes, it takes in rescue kittens, you see. Right, right. right. So, rather than rather than collecting stick pins with signs of the zodiac on them. Right. So what you want to do, and this is where, I mean, we're living in an era where it's easier to become an astrologer than ever. You don't need any math to become an astrologer anymore. You have all the programs and ephemerises that can do it for you. What you want to do, if you want to start doing what me and Miss Cat just did in this episode, is you start off by learning some of the basic techniques. That is, how do you examine when the sun goes into a specific sign? So use your ephemeris. Look at when the sun enters into Aries, into Cancer, into Libra, and the Capricorn, that gives you your seasons, and then look at the play of the planet at that moment. Look at the interplay, the dance, Miss Cat, right? Look at the dance at that particular moment, and then using your building blocks of vocab, uh, astrology vocab of nouns and verbs, start to put things together. Once you've got that, you can then add just a little bit more nuance by looking at the quality of the planet. So a Saturn that is in domicile versus a Saturn that is exiled is going to be slight. Mm -hmm. That's right. And just that alone, without any of all the complex techniques, I mean, I can go into perfections and, 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 and primary directions, all these complicated astrological oh, yeah. techniques. But just, just this alone will allow you to make some pretty solid predictions about the world, your client, and for yourself. I, JD has not had a chance to speak because you and I have been astro nerds this entire time, so I want to make sure JD's got a chance to jump in here with any comments or questions that, that they may have. I said I was going to bring up one from the chat that I thought was a great question. It was asked by Dr. Sweet on how you would use then, say, um, planetary oils then to remediate during like a transition or if you have a bad, um, you know, it's a bad alignment. But that's quite It's called an aspect, yes. A transit or an aspect, those are the words, yeah. That's a very good question. So using planetary oils, they can be put on yourself if you feel like you're having, let's just use, we stick with Saturn as our example. If you feel that Saturn is afflicting you and you want to do the opposite, you could go with Jupiter. I'll put some Jupiter on it, it'll counteract Saturn, it'll be better. But yeah. if you, and so that's one form of remediation by opposition to, you know, by, by coming up with something different. Another one is to actually go die, take a di deep dive into it and then remediate through experiencing it. In other mm. words, surround yourself with the things of Saturn, the color black, the Saturn oil or whatever, and burn it and do a deep, dark meditation if you want to. Some people don't want to, of course. It would be, it would be frightening to them. But that, that's one way that you do remediations. Um, for instance, if Mars is afflicting a planet, Mars is anger, it's iron. And so you say, well, what am I going to do that's opposite of that? Oh, put some, you know, put some Mars oil on and, right, and, and right. you know, feel that and get yourself a nice pocket knife and sharpen mm. it up and feel that. It'll You'll be kind of doing something with it, but you can also do the opposite. Every planet has an opposite except for Mercury. Um, and so 
and I'm counting only the seven planets here. Um, so you would, if you had a Mars affliction, you could build it up by using some Venus things. Let's, you know, let's have a mm-hmm. bit of greenery or whatever, flowers in our life. Mercury is the one exception. It's the planet right down the middle. If you count the moon and sun as opposite, Venus and Mars are opposite, Jupiter and Saturn are opposite, and Mercury. Mercury's all on its own. Mm-hmm. This is why Mercury um, rules uh, gay, lesbian, and trans and queer people, because it is not part of the Venus-Mars polarity. And mm. And so... It's an interesting thing. You can sometimes use Mercury to bridge uh, Venus-Mars conflicts if you want to. There's many ways to look at this. Um, yeah, yeah. Signe well, I mean, like, D.C. Right. said, like homeopathy, like cures like, that is exactly one of the two ways to do it. One is the right. allopathic way and the other is the homeopathic way. Yeah. Right. Well, right now we mentioned, for example, that Jupiter is making that nice sextile to uh, Saturn and Saturn it happens to be in Jupiter's sign Pisces meaning that Jupiter has some influence over Saturn so this would be the perfect time to be using Jupiter oil it'll be fantastic to use as an interesting aside in the ancient and medieval tradition uh, Mercury does not have an opposite but it does have a planet that tempers it and that's Jupiter both of them yes. are very similar this learning teaching education wealth commerce they're very related but Jupiter is considered the more stable manifestation, so it sort of stabilizes. So, so if you've ever seen the Maltese Falcon, the movie, mm-hmm. um, um, Jupiter is Goodman. He's the big guy who wants all the money and who's very outgoing and jovial, and um, <laughs> and <laughs> and Mercury is the um, you know is the the little thief who accompanies him the um the, <laughs> the little figla who goes with him as i was taught um that uh, mercury is the nephew of jupiter and they have an economic bond right <laughs> <laughs> that was great Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client, but today our client comes from Europe and will not be joining us live. Our client is, give me just a Sophia, and she writes, I can't be with you online today but I will be listening to the recording. I had a great reading by Miss Cat and Conjure Man in July of 2022 regarding getting my life back on track and selling this house. Unfortunately, the property is unsold and I'm feeling stuck. I had a lot of problems with harassment and intimidation in this, on this property and nailed it down at that time. Is selling the place a bad idea at the moment? When do you see me selling the property and what root work can I do? Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. 
Okay. Well, since J.D.'s been silent most of this time, let's him have him do the first reading, okay? Oh, I heard what, what from the other room? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're right. Shiva, we had already worked that out. I take it back. Conjurman, you do the first reading. <laughs> Sorry sure, about I'm that, J.D. I got confused. That, that's okay. I'm happy to do uh, the first reading in this matter. Um, uh, this question is relating to some type of property. So what I'm going to do is a horary reading, which is a type of astrology. Maybe someday we'll get lucky, and when we do an astrology episode, we can get people to send in their birth times so we can do an actual in-depth birth reading, a birth chart reading, because that would be really interesting. Um, but what we can do when we don't have the birth chart is to cast what's known as a horror reading. That is, we, we pull up the horoscope for the hour, that moment when the question is heard and understood, uh, and then interpret the chart, uh, the, uh, chart based off of that. So looking at the rising sign, we see here Mars. Mars is in Leo. Uh, and it's, of course, going to be moving towards that Virgo. We have the Lot of Fortune, which is a special calculated position on the chart, also rising in Scorpio. This tells us that the question is related to fortune, it's related to wealth, it's related to property, it's related to assets. But we, in that Scorpionic sign, in that Mars ruled sign, it does indicate difficulties. It indicates trouble. It also indicates circumstances that are not ideal. So the question is, will this person be able to sell their property? Will they be able to what they, what's going on here. To that, we then look to the fourth house, which rules all property that is owned. And the fourth house is Aquarius, which means that the ruler of Aquarius will represent all matters of property. And the ruler of Aquarius is Saturn, and Saturn is retrograde. So that tells us very clearly what's going on here. You and This is not a good time in regards to property. There is a strong sense of being stuck, of being unable to really manifest or allow or, or really unable to get things moving in the direction that you hope and wish for it to go. There are going to be people who make, for example, offers that will withdraw those offers. There's going to be instances where property value will drop and other times where it'll be back to normal. There's a real instability around this property and what to do with it. That Mars and Saturn, I mean, that Saturn in retrograde or that Saturn retrograde indicates for us a long stretch of time in which you will deal with this. This will be exacerbated by the fact that, as Ms. Kat mentioned, uh, only in a, in a few weeks, we're going to see uh, towards the end of July or so, uh, yeah, towards the beginning of August, actually, we're going to see uh, around end of July, beginning of August, we're going to see uh, Mars is going to move into Virgo and it's going to come into opposition to Saturn. And when it comes into opposition with Saturn, what will end up happening is that there's going to be some type of damage that might happen the property. This could be some type of weather event or some type of physical damage or something will be discovered about the property, like some type of inner rot or some type of damage around there. I would probably say this might be related to the beams is sort of what this indicates here, the beams or the support. So check there, check for things like termites, check for things like damage or property, just be mindful of that because there's going to be some type of revelation or some type of damage of uh, the property that will happen during this time period. You are likely unable to see 
things move in the direction that you want, uh, or whether you're trying to nail this property down or, or really try to get this property to, you know, under, to do what you want it to do uh, until November. So you're looking at several months in which there's going to be real instability, mistrust, decreasing in value, damage, all that will happen within the next several months. Root work can be done to ameliorate it. As I mentioned, Jupiter's in a good position. This is the perfect use for Jupiter, uh, and hopefully we can we can talk a little bit about that at the end. Uh, this would be a really, really good time to use a little bit of Jupiter oil or something along those lines to help to ameliorate the influence of Saturn. Uh, the other is to create some type of proxy in which the influence of Saturn can be directed towards. This does not look good until November. Be mindful that your things are actually going to increase in difficulty by about August. It's going to hit a peak moment in which you're going to see damage, harm, some type of revelation around damage or harm, and then things will start to resolve themselves around November. With this, I'm going to turn this over to my colleagues who's going to do your next reading, and then you're going to get some root work recommendations at the end. Wow. Um, well, I really feel sorry um, for Sophia because uh, – uh, she said she's tried some of the things we've recommended in the past, including yeah. burning a red candle on Wednesday, um, laying cinnamon sugar up from the um, the street to the door, and using an uh, overturned St. Joseph uh, outside in the earth, a statue, and reduce the price, and nothing has helped. And now you're telling her it's not going to get any better and it isn't. It's really a very bad situation. Um, because you did a horary chart, and if I were to do a horary chart, which is what I would do, it would be almost the same as yours because only a few minutes having passed, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's, a, that's a funny thing, by the way. I just have to say something. I once did a horary chart for somebody, and I explained to them that when you do a horary chart, it's for the moment that you ask the question. And they said, Okay, and I gave them the answer, and they said, what if I came back in an hour? Would it be different? And I said, yes. Would you <laughs> come back in an hour, and you can pay me again for another horary. But, of course, it hadn't changed all that much, and it was still some of the, the same issues were there. It wasn't like it suddenly flipped to something really great. But <laughs> just saying, people people are funny that way. Give me a different answer, please. You know. All right, so I'm going to use Tarot. Um I have here uh, the first card. Oh, yuck. Okay, first card is the Three of Wands, which is the card of delay, waiting for the ship to come in. It's the guy who's on the bluff overlooking the water, waiting for those little square rigged sailed ship uh, little boats to come in. And the sun is setting, and they're in tatters. Their clothes are torn and patched, and nothing's happening yet. So um, I'm not seeing anything good here. Um, in fact, this card usually says a three-month delay. Today we are in June, so that would be July, August, September. And um, and Conjurman said November, and I can believe it. Uh, this is a card that says you will get what you want, but it's not going to come soon. Almost nothing you do can influence it because it is sailing its way on its own speed and you're just there looking at it, it's not like you can suddenly change this large force that's um, holding everything back. And I'm sad to say that because I'd love to be able to say, yeah, 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 just burn this candle and it'll all be okay. The 
next card is another wand card, although candles now come up because now we have two wand cards, and wands represent fire and they do represent candles. But this is the Ten of Wands. And this is a person who's holding ten heavy sticks and is walking across a stage very overwhelmed toward a house, which is what we're talking about here is a house, um, and really trying to fix the house up. And I think of this guy as carrying these poles. They could be ridge poles. They could be for an addition to the building. They could be also poles to use in the garden, you know, for bean poles or to make fencing. There's something here about repair that may be important. And here we have the 10, which again points to October because October is the 10th month. But it's also just called the long struggle. And I have a feeling that something about this house is wrong. And I think um, I'm kind of following in Conjurman's wake here. But I do see that there's some sort of, uh, he mentioned beams, and I've got two things here with wands, which are beams. And so mm, yeah. there's, there's something happening here that is uh, not so great. And then the third card, um, well, it's a helper card, so that's good. Uh, it's the Queen of Cups. And uh, the Queen of Cups is a, a lovely woman who is a helper. Uh, I can't help but notice that the querent's name is Sophia. And I that name would go fairly well with the Queen of Cups. She's the goddess of knowledge. And this is the psychic queen who looks inside the cup and can read people's minds and read people's hearts. I don't know, and now I don't have you on the phone, so I can't ask you, do you have a female real estate agent? If you don't, you should get a female real estate agent. If you do have one, seek out one that's very kind and motherly. There's something about this property that needs a female touch to be able to be sold. I think that's about um, uh, one way of interpreting this. I don't want to um, say to you, oh, you must constantly go to female root doctors, but there's something that a woman knows about this that may be of help to you. And um, looking into this more deeply may be of interest. Now, another thing about the Queen of Cups is... It does deal with looking inside. So now I start thinking about, is there mold? Is there, is there a, like, did, did you mentioned termites, right, Conjurman? Um Yeah, yep, yep, so termites, mold, there, something along those lines. Something along those lines. Because this card often refers to nurses who read sonograms or uh, doctors who read x-rays or whatever it is it's it's some sort of can be a medical technician who's looking inside you know doing an mri or a ct scan or whatever it would be psychically it is somebody looking inside and i think you might want to have somebody walk that property or douse that property remotely for you there's something wrong there and I think it will be able to be found, but to remediate it is a bigger job than originally anticipated. That's how I see it. So I'm going to turn this over to J.D. He's heard both of our readings, and uh, let's see what he comes up with as far as some root work advice. Great. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Conjurman. Um her statement she made was that she nailed the property down. So the first thing I would suggest is that she pulls those nails out 
and washes them with ammonia because, you know, trying to sell a house while you also have it nailed down is counterintuitive. Um, then I suggest during the waxing moon on a Thursday as the sun is rising that she should take a large square lodestone and dress it with attraction and money drawing oil and then take out uh, the fourth pentacle of Jupiter to acquire wealth. And on the back, write the phrase from Psalms 24, may the Lord grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed, followed by her statement about selling the house quickly and how much she's seeking for it. She should take that seal and put it with a picture of the house and a pinch of the dirt from the house and place that under the stone. She will dress the stone and attraction money drawing oil and heat it magnetic stand. Now, I would take dirt from the four corners of a crossroad to draw people from all corners of the earth or the, the community. I would mix that with attraction and money drawing sachet powder, along with marigold, bayberry, and cinnamon to draw money and um, to heat things up and do a circle around the lodestone. Um, I would burn a green candle with a direct traction and money drawing oil on it. And since she's having a hard time selling, I would actually burn three candles. So I would have an orange candle dressed with road opener to cut through the problems and open the path for her. The green candle, which would be dressed with attraction and money drawing to bring in the money she's looking to sell this house for. And I would also use um, a yellow candle dressed with crown of success to make her successful in this. Uh, she could pray Psalms 23 to draw in this money and also Psalms 57 to turn her luck around. Um, taking any flyers if they're doing open houses and placing them under the dish while she burns these candles and then dusting them with the attraction and money drawing powder and passing them out to the community would also help. When she's done and in the house actually sells, take the stone, take the herbs, take the powders and bury it in the front yard. Wow. Do you know that you uh, you are like the fastest um, root work consultant I've ever known? My gosh. Conjurement, <laughs> did you hear that? I did. I was very impressed by how fast you spoke. I mean, my God. I couldn't even keep up with typing. I'm going orange, green, what, what? <laughs> it was fantastic. This is really, was, really good working. Um, I, I advise Sophia to rewind and listen to that maybe at um 75% speed because that was intense man wow thank you JD that was so great um uh, reverend james says just like you did on the love panel you fit so much in so little time um you are you're a phenomenon that's now we know why you can answer all those questions on the forum so quickly <laughs> exactly i'll speed Go ahead. I was just going to say that, that also, also the idea of, of of removing those those spikes is just right on the money. It does speak to the sort of confused cross purposes and as a first step in washing with ammonia, that that is so good. I would go a step further and just say maybe washing and cleansing the entire property at first too. Maybe sprinkle a little bit of ammonia, not a lot, just a pinch, a sprinkle of that in the places where you dug it up because there's. There's something funky going on there. There's something that whether it's spiritually or like literally mold or something, there's something there. And I think the cleansing is, is worthwhile here with this fantastic working that JD's given. 
Yeah. The the thing about the nails, and I, I know I've mentioned this before um, with regard to a, a mutual friend of ours who was in a house that was not in good condition, and there was a, a whole jiggery-pokery going on with the owner who wanted to move this person out and let a relative come in mm-hmm. illegally. It was all this big thing. And so she nailed the property down with railroad spikes. And then she wanted to move to another town, and she just couldn't move. She couldn't find a place. It just went on and on. And we were talking, and I said, did you ever pull those railroad spikes? And she goes, oh, my God, no, I forgot. And she pulled the railroad spikes and immediately was able to move to the other town. So this is something. Don't leave that stuff behind. And thank you, J.D., for noticing that embedded in that paragraph. Um, Because part of this question is, um, is selling the place a bad idea at the moment? Yes, it is a bad idea at the moment, but not selling it. Just successfully selling it is not going to work. So we do see that you could sell it. But um, you're going to have to uh, cleanse it. You're going to have to pull up those spikes and get yourself really um, put into a a new state of mind. Um, And I I feel that there is some confusion here around that house. There's some mental, um, you know, if you've like, I've buried a St. Joseph. I still have the nails. Is it a good idea to sell it? I don't know. That says to me you might want to just step back a little bit and do some meditation on what you really want because we can't tell you what you really want. I would maybe try dressing my own third eye with some clarity oil for a moment, you know, and say, what do I want? And and ask your own heart. Do you guys follow me on that? You see what I'm saying? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, all, all I have to say is that in addition to this great working that you have been given and the advice on this cat, just be patient. I know that you've been working at this for a long time and you're hoping to sell it. You will eventually. You just have a few months of rocky weather ahead. Yeah, yeah. And you have to want to sell it um, really at your heart. All right. Oh, my God. J.D. just typed it all in. Holy moly, folks, go back and read that. J.D., you're phenomenal. (laughs) Okay, Uh, now comes our network announcement. My gosh. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Thursdays, 1 to 2, and Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. All of our shows are available in archives at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com, where you will see them listed by title and episode and with clickable links. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com.
now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. Take it away, Conjurman. Thank you for that. Uh, I have a really cool spell for you all. This is based off of a little bit of astrology since this topic uh, was the topic of today. You are going to do this working on Tuesday, July 4th. This is when the moon will be in the 24th mansion, Saad al-Saud, which is uh, a very lucky place. In fact, the literal translation is the luckiest luck or the the most luck uh, or the greatest luck. So it's a fantastic mansion to do. This particular working is to increase your wealth, your prosperity, and your luck. So on Tuesday, July 4th, this is when you will begin this working. You're going to need the following. Three coins that you have found leading up to this day. It can be any denomination. Some Florida water, some milk, three green candles, fast luck oil, and master root, like a nice, good master root. On this day, I want you to wash the coins first with that Florida water. Get all the gunkiness off of them. Then set up your space. Get a sort of table, bureau, or something that you will work on. Set the coins in a triangle, okay? And then you're going to set the master root on top of them. So you've got the three coins in a very small triangle, not a big triangle, a very small triangle so that when you put the master root on top of it, it covers it up. So you cover it with the master root. Then around it, you are going to set your three candle holders or your candle sticks. You're going to take the fast luck oil. You're going to anoint each of the coins anoint the master root, anoint each of the green candles one by one, set them in their holders. Then you're going to take a small bowl of some sort and you're going to pour the milk into the bowl and you're going to set it outside of the candle to the top right. So just you've got this little, tri- little triangle of coins, master root on top, a big triangle of candles around it and then the bowl of milk off to the right at the top. You are then going to take your finger, dip it into the milk, and sprinkle it on top of the coins and the master root. Not a lot. You're not going to create a mess. Just a light symbolic sprinkling. You're going to light the candles in a clockwise fashion, starting with the bottom left. So start with the bottom left, then the top, then the bottom right. As the candles burn, I want you to recite Proverbs 10.22, the blessings of the Lord brings wealth. Repeat this over and over and over again, calling out to the Lord that on this auspicious day, in this auspicious hour, in this position of the moon, as the moon is increasing in strength and power, that your wealth and prosperity also increases in abundance. Let it all burn down. Now take the coins and put them in your pocket. Take the master root, the bowl of milk, and the leftover wax and walk it to a very powerful and venerable ancient tree, something that's been around. You are going to bury the master root and the wax at the roots of that tree. You are then going to pour the milk over it as an offering to the tree and say, tree, as your roots grow and as your branches stretch to the heavens, so too may my wealth continue to grow and grow. Keep the coins on your in your pocket and it will increase your wealth, your luck, and your prosperity. They are your good luck charms going forward. And that 
is my Lunar Mansion spell for prosperity and luck. Wow. That's really cool, Contraband. Now, on behalf of the audience who are at this point going, what's a Lunar Mansion? Could you please explain what a Lunar Mansion is so that people will understand why this is important? I can. Thank you for asking. I was anticipating the question. I knew you were going to say it. Like you're going to ask the audience. I'm like, I know Kat well enough. The, yeah, just as the sun moves through the zodiac over the 12 months, thus giving us the 12 zodiac, the moon also moves through the constellations in a smaller zodiac of its own over 28 days. So you can think of the mansions as the moon's zodiac. These likely derived from India, brought into the Arabian world, and then they were eventually transmitted into Europe. They're used to interpret health, and they're most importantly used in electional astrology, magical elections. Because the moon moves very quickly, over 28 days, you don't have to wait months and months for an election. You can do all the different magical workings within that month by noting where the moon is. In this instance, the mansion we're working with, the 24th mansion, is said to be a lucky mansion that brings prosperity. Okay, and just to make this clear, these are not signs of the zodiacs. These are days no. from one lunation to the next. Yes, they're they're found within the zodiac themselves, but yes. smaller divisions of them. For example, yes. this particular mansion, the which is known as the twenty fourth, is generally found from twenty five degrees of Capricorn to about eight degrees of Aquarius. Yeah, but it's they don't exactly coincide with no. signs of the zodiac. No, no, right. they're their own thing. Their own, exactly, they're their own thing. Exactly. Own thing. Yeah, so yeah. you can. Uh, do you recommend any book or any website that people can use to calculate the mansions of the moon in the way that I uh, recommended yes. astrology for the ephemeris? Absolutely. There's a lot of free... Actually, just go into Google and type in Lunar Mansion Calendar, and like you know, a dozen will come up. But the one that I use the most is AstroSeek.com. It's Astro-Seek.com. It's got a Lunar Mansion calculator, and it breaks it down by And it's really cool because it'll give you the phases of the moon right next to it, so you'll know if the moon is waxing or waning, and that has a sort of qualitative um, importance for the, the mansion. If it's waning, you want to do more negative work. Removal work, last increasing work. Great, thank you. Um, that's really good news. So you can people can find this stuff for free, and they can teach yes. themselves. Okay. All right. Well, there's our music. So now we're going to turn this over to Reverend James, who's going to read some announcements for us. Thank you, Miss Cat and JD, and thank you, Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com and Mission Viejo, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Deborah Voice of BewitchingBee.com in Shorewood, Wisconsin, and Miss Elvira of Elvira.com, that is E-L-V-Y-R-A.com, in Arkansas on the coming back of the Witches, the Priestess, and the Cauldron Show. 
Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and JD at hoodoohousedetroit.com in Detroit, Michigan. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archives via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Chug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Reverend James. And uh, just to uh, tag on to the announcement about the return, coming back, resurgence, and uh, Reinvention of which the priestess and the cauldron. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, yeah. and uh, it's going to be happening in July. As I said, we're going to be going to the railroad convention, but on the first of July, you can all come here and watch our trains go around and have fun at the Lucky Mojo shop. And that's about all I have to say. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.